Hello, 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 and welcome to episode two of this three-part series. Uh, this episode is titled Islamic Impact. I like that. I just made that up. It's titled Islamic Impact. And we're going to be talking about two different, um, actually three different ETFs, specific ETFs. One of them uh, is called, uh, or has a ticker symbol AMAL. It's domiciled in Ireland. It's in the London Stock Exchange, uh, the Italian Stock Exchange, and it's called um, the Saturna El Kothar Globally Focused Equities um, ETF. The second one is an MSCI iShares, sorry, iShares MSCI uh, Islamic World ETF, and the third one is an iShares MSCI Emerging Market Islamic ETF. So I'm very excited to be talking about these three different ETFs. The Saturna Al Kothar uh, Global Focused Equity um, is an actively managed ETF, while the other two are passively managed. And we're going to be going through the different structures of each ETFs, um, some facts about them, and just talk about um, Sharia as well, uh, Sharia compliant um, as well. So I'm going to start with just an introduction into what constitutes uh, as Sharia law and like how do people or how do these managers uh, screen um, companies uh, when including them in this um, ETF. So for it to be under Sharia law, Sharia law is determined and is stipulated uh, by the Quran, um, the holy book of um, Islam. Um, and what managers tend to look at mostly are four different things. Um, first thing has to do with this concept called riba, which is the paying or charging of interest payments. Um, so that is not allowed in Sharia law. So they'd be looking to screen out companies that have a significant portion of their business led to do with uh, riba or paying or charging interest payments and gaining revenue from that. Uh, so that kind of cancels out banks and insurance companies. Um, uh, these companies or these ETFs are not allowed to have exposure in haram uh, stocks or haram stocks. Uh, common ideas of what haram is, is nothing to do with alcohol, gambling, or pork. Third thing is the uh, maser, which is that there's, there's no forms of speculation that could happen. So you won't have an ETF that's uh, based on derivatives or there's no, or like these companies don't gain revenue from an underlying asset um, or something that's uh, like physically there. You know what I mean? So that's Maesir. And then the last thing is Ghrar, which is uh, excessive risk. And there's no company that um, is exposed to excessive risk. So as you'll see in the other episode, I talk about um, how these things are very broad. However, um, in order for these ETFs to comply with Sharia law, they'd have to justify uh, at least um, that all of these companies don't um, are not involved in any of these things I just mentioned. So jumping into the first one, the most excited, honestly, I am about all of these ETFs is Saturna Al Kothar, Globally Focused Equity. This is a global ETF. Uh, it was created recently, uh, September 2000, uh, September 28, 2020. And as of November 30th, 2021, it had 22 holdings um, within the ETF. Um, actively managed Sharia-based ETFs are growing 
However, it is extremely hard to find anything online on these vehicles, typically because um, it's not a popular investment vehicle. Not a lot of people write about it and they're extremely hard to find. Even the fact sheet just for this ETF was, uh, was very hard to find on the company website. Uh, but a bit about this ETF, um, it has been thrown around different institutions before, uh, before Saturn uh, um, Al-Kawthar, uh, uh, I mean not Saturn Al-Kawthar, sorry, uh, Han ETF in Ireland gained the rights to manage it. Um, what they, so they, they say that they're investing in ESG, sorry, sorry, ETF focusing on Sharia compliant stocks with positive ESG characteristics. Um, and they want to have a global uh, view. So because it's an actively managed ETF, they can basically pick from any equity they would like and include it into this ETF. Okay. So going into sector weights, this ETF is 40% uh, exposed to technology, 18% healthcare, 15% industrials. From the top five um, uh, most... Um, sorry, from the top five largest stocks included in the ETF. So the highest shares or highest exposure are Nintendo, Accenture, which is um, um, uh, it's a consulting company, sorry, uh, in Ireland, Cisco and Novozymes. So these four represent the top four stocks um, in this uh, ETF. Um, and their year to date is 0.06% have a standard deviation of 10.26% and their beta is close to one, 0.99. So these are just some things about this actively managed ETF. Um, and so with a year to date of 0.06%, year to date return 0.06%, uh, I sat there thinking, why would someone invest in this ETF? So I think there's a couple of reasons. One, you have, um, faith in the manager or in the management company. So I, I think that Saturn and Kothar, I'm a Sarhan ETF, are going to do a good job in investing my money uh, and eventually they're going to yield returns. Another thing where I, another case is you want to make sure that you're actually getting exposed to companies that are Sharia compliant. And this is where I feel like the active nature of this ETF has potential to grow. And that's where, actually, that's where I think it has um, the most value. Because uh, it's actively managed, you're hand-picking stocks that go into this exchange-traded fund. Relative to a passive uh, ETF where you'd be tracking an index and you'd be screening for companies from based on that index that do not comply with specific metrics, it is very easy for a passive um, Sharia-compliant uh, ETF to let in some companies that aren't necessarily Sharia. So for someone who only wants to invest and only wants to make money uh, under Sharia guidelines, an actively managed ETF is such a valuable tool to have and for banks to utilize um, in terms of creating a product that can ensure the, uh, the, ensure the, the purchaser that the, or the purchaser of this product that their money is in fact going into a Sharia-based um, or Sharia compliant stocks. Um, well, I'm going to go into, so, so the, the question is, how do you determine what a Sharia compliant stock is? One second, sorry, the mic. Yes. How do you determine what a Sharia compliant stock is? 
And that's a fair question. And I want to compare the two different ways that these ETFs focus their Sharia screen. Um, so for what Saturn and Capital's methodology, what they do is that uh, they screen, oh, sorry, screen to a, a process that adheres uh, to an investment process developed with Islamic scholars at the Fiqh Council of North America. So they're basically a non-profit organization that determined that these are the factors that we are looking for when determining if something is Sharia. And a quick synopsis is that uh, revenue generated in uh, these stocks um, has to be at least uh, 95% halal. Um, so it can't have to do with anything haram. Uh, in terms of accounting, so what I found interesting was a lot of these metrics are based on, based on accounting ratios. Um, so another screen would be like you can't have uh, debt to market cap be greater than 33% and you can't have accounts receivable to total assets that are greater than 45%. So what Saturnian Capital uh, did is that they instituted a software they called Neptune that screens companies based on these metrics that were developed by the Fiqh Council of North America and they perform quarterly audits to make sure that all of these companies that they do include in the ETF is Sharia compliant. Uh, and then they hire external auditors to actually do a Sharia audit, uh, which is common practice in Sharia-based um, finance or Sharia-based products. Um, so that's what so that's what Saturn al Qatar does. When comparing it to different ETFs, so what I wanted to compare it to was um, the MSCI World Islamic Index. So BlackRock provide uh, their iShares MSCI World Islamic Index. Um, and you can purchase that. It basically tracks the their index. However, it screens. It does a financial screen, and it does um, a business um, activity screen in order to determine what the stocks are. First comparison: ML had twenty-two holdings. Um, MSCI World Islamic Index has three hundred and thirty-eight holdings. Um, the fee for MSCI World is 0.6% or 60 basis points. The fee for ML is 75 basis points. And the net assets of fund for MSCI World is $339 million, while ML is at $6 million. So as you can see, MSCI, iShares, BlackRock, huge, 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 huge financial player compared to the small cap um, uh, actively managed fund. Now looking at the numbers, the sector weight for MSCI World um, for the iShares is 26% uh, healthcare, 20% IT, and 13% materials. And here's the interesting part. The year-to-date return is 19.22%, significantly larger than the actively managed ETF. The standard deviation on this, is, on this ETF is 6.47% compared to a 10.26% on the actively managed one, and the beta is 0.73 compared to a 0.99 beta. So as you can see, a passive strategy would yield higher return, has a lower standard deviation, and has a lower beta. So for, some, for a portfolio manager looking um, to include a Sharia component to their portfolio for whatever reason, a passive way, or a passive uh, uh, ETF is more lucrative than this specific uh, actively managed ETF. However, however, because it's passively managed, 
the guarantee that every single stock that goes into this being Sharia is, is not as high. And just to compare the, the way they, they screen for Sharia, MSCI, Islamic Screening Methodology, um, so they do something similar. Their total debt to total assets can be greater than 33.3%. We saw that in the actively managed ETF. In terms of ratios, they can have disagreements. However, the main difference is that they don't outsource their auditors. They use internal auditors to gauge if these uh, stocks are in fact Sharia based. Being a passive index and screening for that, if you have 300, again, just you have 338 holdings, how likely that all 338 holdings based on a global world index, so this is based on most of the equities available in the world, how likely that 338 of those are actually Sharia compliant? Um, my answer, and it's very unlikely, <laughs> but because it's a passive strategy and because it's based on an index with so many equities in them, um, they're not, ex I don't say they're expected, but they're, it's unlikely that they're gonna go through everyone and screen for this. So now it goes back to our discussion on why would someone uh, all choose to go for a passive ETF versus an active ETF or an actively managed ETF. Um, so if it's all about returns, then I f then like there's no question that a passive ETF is the best strategy to go to um, because of historical data and because of what we see here just with the simple um, analysis. But in order to actually like if financial institutions and if investors care more about where they put their money and care about uh, due diligence and care about uh, impacting, and this is going to be more about the third topic we thought I discussed but impacting the world in a specific way, then an actively managed ETF gives more assurance for people that their money is going into the thing or going into vehicles that um, are at least trying to ensure impact, regardless of return. Um, and it's fair to say that return is what's key and what's not helping um, the actively managed ETF that I found, and to be honest, where I've there's been a lack of information and uh, a lack of diversity and just a lack of uh, um, just available f uh, exchange traded funds in this sector. Um, but most of the active, strat active strategies aren't uh, generating alpha. Um, and another key thing I just want to mention uh, that both ETFs um, should have incorporated is this purification process. Um, and it's through Zakat. So, um, and again, this is highly, um, there's no standardization in this, um, but from the proceeds or profits from every single firm that's included in the ETF that are towards haram activities, all of these proceeds, like a percentage wise, so keep in mind, there has to be less than 5%, uh, that has to be purified in some way through giving um, zakat or giving uh, some of the money to, to the poor. Um, and so I think of it as an additional fee that goes with Sharia compliant uh, stocks, which isn't talked about as much. Um, but imagine, uh, so th this just becomes more important in terms of picking and choosing where you put your money and what methodology you wanna do. Because the more stocks you have in an ETF, 
the more likely you're going to have to pay a higher purification fee. And personally, a passive strategy based on an index as large as MSCI, as the one I just mentioned, um, it's, not, it's not feasible for them to go through every single one and purify every single cash flow and then promise to people that this is 100% Sharia compliant. No matter the information we get, like I've, I've went through the audit reports, uh, the Sharia audit reports, um, and it's not, it's not like it's not beyond them that like they could be like falsified or like it's not hundred percent accurate, you know. Um, that's for the next talk. That's for the skin for the next talk. Um, but just one more thing before I end this episode or just end this discussion about active versus passive passive ETFs within the Sharia space. Um, when deciding which passive ETF to look for, uh, the top two popular ones were the iShares um, MSCI Islamic World ETF and the iShares MSCI uh, Emerging Market ETF. So a bit about the Emerging Market ETF, it does hold a lot of holdings, 307 holdings. Um, it's in US dollars, traded in US dollars. Net, as of, net assets of funds is 125 million, so it's a bit smaller than the MSCI world. Um, sector weights highly, highly tilted towards IT, 42%. The second highest sector is materials. Um, and the countries that are exposed in these in the emerging markets, 25% um, Taiwan, 25% South Korea, 13% India. Okay, looking at year to date, just so year to date return for this year, this is based on November 30, 2021. The year to date return MSCI Emerging Market Islamic uh, Passive ETF is negative 0.1%, so 0%. Um, that's very similar to what the actively managed ETF ML returned, uh, which is a slightly positive 0.06%. Um, however, however, the fee on the passive MSCI index, like the emerging markets, is 85 basis points, which is 10 basis points higher than the ML ETF. Um, I was just shocked by this. <laughs> I was honestly very shocked by this. Um, and I couldn't find an answer. So I'm leaving it up to you guys <laughs> to give me an answer. But why would the passive strategy require a higher fee than the active strategy when the sister, like more a sister, but when a very similar passive ETF that we just talked about has a lower fee of 60 basis points? Where is that 25 basis points coming from? Why is it there? And is it eating up from return? Because um, the year-to-date returns, I'm not assuming are not the fees. Um, and that's interesting. That goes to show, um, I think, um, the effect that the bear market in the U.S. has on passive strategies. Because um, you can see it. So the UI, MSCI World Islamic ETF, 60% of stocks are in the USA. Um, and since 2008, we've been living through a bear market. Um, if you invested in relatively anything um, back then, uh, and you just kept, kept your money in for 10, 15 years till today, you would be making some sort of return because of how the markets have gone. Um, even post-COVID, uh, there, there was a dip, but then markets went back up, and it's continuing to grow on record highs. Uh, just since I started studying finance a couple of years ago, um, within the same semester, we would be seeing record highs on the S&P index. Record highs followed by record highs followed by record highs. Um, as the market kept growing, 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 um, and that kind of growth we have not seen specifically in global markets. 
that steady stream of growth. Um, and that just is another element to, to look at when looking at passive strategies and passive ETFs. Because if they're following an index, and as we said in the first episode, um, they're gaining popularity in the United States, less so in international markets. Are people trying to just capitalize on this bear market by introducing um, a vehicle that doesn't take as much fees, is very liquid, people can trade, so they can inject liquidity into this market? That's a genuine question to ask. And it's interesting to see how with inflation rising right now, with fears, and look, I don't want to predict a crash because I've been around in this, I don't know, area since 2019, I think, or 2018. And since then, so many people, including my dad, have been saying financial markets are going to crash. Financial markets are going to crash. You just wait and see. And they haven't crashed. However, if we go into a bull market, if we go into a market that's declining, um, what will happen to passive instruments that are mainly, as I've seen in my research, tracking indices like the NASDAQ and the SPIDER or global equities or stuff like that? If there isn't a general trend upwards, really, and if that's not going to go up, it's going to go down. And with that sort of context and that sort of background, are we going to see actively managed ETFs taking over because it's a much better alternative than mutual funds and hedge funds and these instruments that are just, to be honest, in coming into the sector today, uh, just outdated um, in my point of view. Um, so are we going to see a rise of that? And are we going to see a rise of that in the midst of investors looking for not only financial returns, uh, but social returns? Not only social returns, but Sharia-based returns. And is it feasible for passive um, indexes or passive strategies to gain these returns? Um, in my preliminary analysis, and I'm going to have to go more into this just to like to have a justified opinion, but I don't think so. I don't think passive strategies lead to active results. You can't, I, it just goes, it's contradictory. Um, and we've seen this with the Sharia base right now, just with the screening process and just with the feasibility of screening and the amount of work that goes into it, uh, just to screen on specific criteria relative to an index, it's, it's bound for mistakes. And the, as we've seen before, financial markets or financial institutions are not above mistakes. So if, if clients and if in retail institutional investors are getting more stringent on where their money is going and how it's affecting communities and how it's affecting um, the world that we're living in are actively based ETFs on the rise. Um, I think so. I think so. Even though returns aren't as high, um, we could be entering a phase where returns matter, um, but other things matter as well. Um, so I'm going to leave you with that note and that spiel <laughs> in the end, um, just because I think this is an interesting topic. I think ETFs have been around for quite a while. They've gained popularity in a growing, increasing uh, market, increasing returns market. Um, and it's interesting to see how they last within the next like 20, 30 years when markets aren't going to increase. And just using other international uh, money markets as an, um, 
as a case study where growth hasn't been as as con- as, as consistent, um, it does spell trouble for some of these passive indexes and some for the people that are invested in it. Um, so yeah, thank you for this for giving me the 25 minutes of your time today uh, for me to talk about this um, and talk about different things. I feel like Sharia investments in general uh, are getting popularity. I'm going to be talking about this in the next episode and the last episode of this mini-series on ETFs and Sharia. Um, but thank you so much and I've enjoyed being here. Um, and uh, happy holidays, guys. Thank you. Uh, Islamic impact out. <laughs> okay, I have uh, Professor Shen. I'm having so much fun doing this. I'm sorry if this was too <laughs> dramatic. <laughs> I just love doing this. Okay, I'll see you. See you, Professor. <laughs> Next episode.